You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Truly in life, we do a lot of seeking. Most everyone is seeking something. Seeking to learn, seeking to grow, seeking to mature, seeking to rest, seeking to have fun, seeking to please God, find God, find peace, live for Jesus, know God more, enjoy family, enjoy friends, be better, find a family, experience hope, and the list goes on and on and on. So what are you seeking? That's the question Jesus asked a few followers and really asks of us. So we too would ponder and solidify our aim, our hope in life. The question is from uh, the Bible book of John, chapter 1, verses 35 to 42. We're going to look at that in a moment. But it brings up a couple of other questions, like why is seeking Jesus important? And <clears throat> what are we seeking to gain from seeking Christ? And, and how do we respond to him? All pointing us to the reality that seeking Jesus is the only sure way to experience real hope in life. And so we're going to be looking at that in that passage. So if you wouldn't mind, before we get to get into this, set your Bibles aside and stand up, and uh, and let's pray and ask God to, to teach us this morning. Father, I just am so thankful that everybody's here, Lord, all the different ages and, and all the different backgrounds. Lord, how fun it is to be able to be one family, like that trail mix, and, and to come together. And Lord, you want us to gain from your word. And so, Father, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would do work in each of our hearts, that we can gain something from this morning's time together, that we would learn something, maybe even something that would challenge us forward in this next week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, if you have your Bible with you, open it to the Bible book of John. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like to borrow one, our wonderful and amazing ushers are walking down the aisle. They have a stack of Bibles in their hand, and, and just wave at them, and they'd be happy to give you a loan, or you can leave it there when you're done, and that'd be great. So open up to the Bible. Book of John. John is found in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And, and uh, this is talking about Jesus' life. The Gospels give us a real good glimpse of Christ and tells us a lot about his life and what he did when he walked the face of the earth and, and, and what went on in his life and those things like that. So John is telling about Jesus here and telling about a very interesting uh, question that he asks. John chapter 1, let me read to you verse 35 to 42. It says, the next day, verse 35, again, John. Now, the John that's in this one is not John, the the author who wrote this Bible book, but it's John the Baptist, okay? Uh, The next day, again, John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus and he, as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Uh, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? Which is the question we're looking at this morning. And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was standing and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Now in the Bible, it talks about 10th hour, mid hour. 10th hour means 4 p.m., just so you know on that. So it's, it's at 4 p.m. And so, so let's unpack these verses and look at a few questions to point us to the reality that seeking Jesus is the only sure way to experience real hope. The first question is, why seek Jesus? 
Now, these disciples, Andrew and another disciple. Now, we're not sure what the other disciple, who the other disciple is. This Bible book doesn't really tell us. Uh, but a lot of scholars have, have looked into this, and they believe it is actually the Apostle John, or John who wrote the Gospel of John, or John who's called the Beloved Disciple. That's this, all the same person, John. Not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle. So these disciples, Andrew and possibly John, uh, left following John the Baptist to follow Jesus. So why is seeking Jesus important? I mean, these guys were following a great man of God. John the Baptist, an incredible, amazing man of God. Little, little kind of crazy, <laughs> maybe a little nutty. And they said he wore camel's hair and ate wild locusts and honey. Uh, now, wild locusts aren't the bugs there. There's, it's actually a plant, but, but he, you know, he was kind of crazy. I just picture this wild man. <laughs> uh, if you want to study more about John the Baptist, you can pick up a study guide and I've written some verses down there that you can look at more about who John the Baptist uh, is and, and a little bit more about him. But John the Baptist was an amazing, godly man. Why did they just follow him? But yet, he uh, sought to lift up Jesus, telling people about him. So, so, so who is John the Baptist? Actually, John the Baptist is the second cousin of Jesus. Now, we know he's the second cousin because Mary, Jesus' mom, and Elizabeth, John's mom, were cousins. Therefore, that makes Jesus and John the Baptist second cousin. Second cousin of Jesus, uh, sent by God to point people back to Messiah, back to Jesus, who John the Baptist identified as Jesus of Nazareth. And he said that when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, because he was pointing back to the Old Testament, talking about Messiah who would come and, and, and be that Lamb of God for us. See, people at that time had forgotten God's great story. They had kind of taken God out of the picture of their life and had forgotten about God's great story. God's great story is the, is the truth that, that about that God created everything. That he breathed into existence all that we see. Uh, mountains, trees, bugs, animals, all of that he created. And he even created you and me. He, he knit us together inside of our mom. See, God made you. Okay, you guys need to be a little bit more responsive. God made you. There you go. Get Take the cue, because we're going to do these. All five of them are going to happen. The cue is on the screen, but wait till I say it, then say, wow, God, okay? Got that? You guys are good. You're right with me. God created everything. All of us put us together, and he created us, and he made us. The Bible says in, in, in uh, Psalm 139, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, those words, we talked about it on Friday night, that, that are very special because it means that we're made with honor and respect. Uh, we're not just thrown together. God actually put us together cell by cell, feature by feature, and, and we're amazing people. But not only that, it says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. The word wonderful means distinguished, uh, uh, great, and it also means marvelous, that we are marvelous. So say, I'm marvelous. I'm marvelous. Turn to the person and say to them, you're marvelous. But yet, say it with gusto now, you're marvelous. See, you are, you are marvelous. And, and you're created that wonderful, fearfully and wonderfully made. But the truth is also that we're not created connected with God automatically. Because there's a problem. 
And here's God's story. God's story, we're not only created, there's creation, but there's also separation. See, we as humans made the choice not to follow God. And it's part of our DNA now. And it made the, there's a forever distance between us and God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says that our iniquities, our sin has separated us from God. That's a pretty sad reality because though we're fearfully and wonderfully made, we're still separated from God. That means that we can't enjoy a relationship with Him. We can't uh, be all that we were created to be. We, we won't make it to heaven. And that separation has a huge price on it. And, and yet there's nothing we can manufacture or can do to connect us to God. Now, if the story were to end there, it would be sad. But the truth is, here, get ready. Get ready, you ready? God is for you. And it is a wow because he didn't leave us in that disconnected state. He actually provided for us redemption. What redemption means is he took us from the, the sad state over here and redeemed us and made us right and, got, and, and allowed us to have the opportunity to be connected to him. And so we have a way to get us connected to God because the truth is God is with you. All the time. He cares about you. He knows about you. He created you. It, it says that uh, he is intricately in Psalm 139, uh, intricately uh, understanding of all of our ways. He says if, if, if we were to number the, the, the numbers of thoughts he has about us, it would outnumber the sand on the seashore. Some, any of you guys been to the beach? Any of you have got sand on you? And your parents are going, how can there be so much sand in the car? And if you started to number them, there would be in the bazillions. There would be too many you couldn't even count because that's how much God cares about you. He thinks about you constantly. And he's redeemed us. God is with you because of Messiah, the Christ, Jesus. See, Jesus knew our plight that we had this distance between us and God. And the, uh, the only way to deal with the distance is for death to happen. So Jesus said, I will pay the penalty of sin. I will pay the death and die on the cross. And so he did that for each of us, you and me. And he took care of that. Because God, the truth is, God is not only with us, but God will always love you. Some of you know a familiar Bible verse. Anybody know John 3.16? Any of our kids know John 3.16? Wait, where's my where's my phone? Who knows John 3.16? A kid, little kid. Here we go. Here we go. Can you say John 3.16 for me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Good job. See, God so loved the world that he didn't want us to stay in that disconnected state that he sent his one and only son to deal with our sin problem. And that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He took care of it. And how we benefit from it is to believe. Now, believe, belief is more than just simply a brain understanding of that. Belief always has it. A true belief, saving belief, has an action. Is, is We move towards God with it. We say, I, yes, I get it that I'm fearfully, wonderfully made, but disconnected from God, that Jesus is the one who connects me to God, and I have put my belief, my faith in him. And, and that's what, that's how we come to faith in Him. So, yes, there's creation. Yes, separation. Yes, redemption. But yet, once we've come to faith, there is a restoration. In other words, 
God is repurposing us back to God's, to being God's people, the ones he created us to be, giving us a new direction because God made you for a purpose. Wow. Oh, see, you guys are so good at that. You need to be here every Sunday. Forget family service. I need that encouragement every Sunday. But see, much of Israel had either forgotten this bit about God's story or they had turned their faith into following a set of rules or to, to listening to engaging teachers. And John the Baptist was called to get them, to, 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 to call them out on this and to have them repent and turn away and, and get back to putting their faith back in God and their hope in Jesus. For seeking Jesus is the only sure way of experiencing hope. No other way brings satisfaction or joy. Now, sure, some things for a moment uh, might, but it's not lasting. Yeah, grades might, friends might, success might, uh, being the best might, money, popularity, achievement, being liked, all those things, but yet they aren't lasting. See, it's Jesus. It's seeking Jesus is the only sure way to experience real hope. So John the Baptist points people to Jesus. For Jesus is the hope of the world. He, he's the, he's the one who, Jesus is the one who brings salvation. That's why John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God. Now that was specifically talking about a certain, uh, uh, ceremony that all of Israel would have known exactly what he was talking about. They would have, mine would have been taken back to the ceremony of Passover. Passover was something that was celebrated, and you can read about it in the New Testament book of Exodus. Uh, <clears throat> it was celebrated because Israel, as a nation, was in bondage in Egypt. And, and, and they had been there for hundreds and hundreds of years, and God finally sent a deliverer. You know what his name was? Moses. Right, his name was Moses. And so Moses goes and tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, oh, not in your life. And, 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 and uh, Moses, well, you know, God's not going to like that, and you're going to get plagued on. So all these plagues happen. Numbers of what plagues happen. Flies and frogs and darkness and weird hail and all kinds of things happen. And Pharaoh's still, still going, no, no, no. I'm not letting my slaves go. They're doing all my work for me, and I don't have to do anything. So they, he doesn't let them go until the last plague. The last plague was the plague of death, that the firstborn of every family would die. Even the cattle would die unless they had taken a, a, a spotless lamb, they had sacrificed it and take some of the blood from the sacrifice and put it on their doorpost. And when they did that, when the angel of death came, they would pass over that house and not affect that house because they knew in that house was someone who trusted God more than themselves. Trusted God. And all of Israel understood that. And every year after that, they had for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, they had been celebrating and been thinking about this Passover lamb. And all the time through that whole ceremony, they were being encouraged that there would be one day another one who would come and take care of all of our sin. Redemption forever. And Jesus, what is that one? He is the Messiah who takes care of our sin. In, in, in Psalm 53, it says that it talks about how it was heaped upon him our transgressions, our sin. He, by his wounds, we are healed. And he is Messiah. Messiah is not only the one who is a suffering servant who takes care of our sin, but he's also the leader of life. He's the king. He is God. Oh, I, I love studying about Jesus. As a matter of fact, why don't you take your Bibles? You're in the Bible book of John. Okay. 
So now go, go, uh, go right to your right, to your right. Go right and go to the Bible book of Colossians. So after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. I, I love this, this description of Jesus, the Messiah, the true King of everything. It says this in verse 15 of Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the church, the body. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in him everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to the reconciliation to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood of his cross. Because of his death, he's reconciled all things to us. He has redeemed us, and he's restoring us. See, Jesus is the true hope of the world. And honestly, he's my hope. That's one of the reasons why I cannot stop sharing about the good news of Jesus, that though we're fearfully and wonderfully made, there is a separation and Jesus came to deal with that separation. Now we can have that incredible relationship with God and through that we can have true peace and true joy, live to our fullest potential. We can enjoy a relationship with God and know and have that assurance that we're going to be in heaven when we leave this world. He is my hope. And Jesus is a very real Savior in my life. My, my life growing up, wow, it was messed up. Um, I had deep hurt. It was very confused. I came from a very struggling family. And inside, um, I felt not only worthless, but that life wasn't even worth it. And I know that some of you felt that way. And I found out about Jesus. A friend of mine came and introduced me to Jesus and, and I learned how much he loved me and how much he cared about me and how much I was, he was inter- intricately acquainted with all of my ways and he knew me and cared about me and all those things. And I just was compelled to believe. And when that happened, oh my goodness, what a change happened inside of me. There was a peace that was beyond belief and a joy and, and a wonderful and God was doing some incredible things in me and, 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 and helping fix me. Now I have, I, I I'm a piece of work. <laughs> I have a lot of fixing to do. <laughs> and God is slow. I mean, I'm not there yet. I don't know if I'll ever get there until heaven, but, uh, but, but he's continuing to work on me. I had a counselor friend of mine who once heard my story and, and he said to me, Mike, you know, for all you've been through, you seem, uh, incredibly well adjusted. I went, I don't think so. Ask my wife, you know, she'll, t- or I can tell you now, you just ask the staff. They'll go, Oh, Mike. I mean, all through growing up in school, my teachers would write notes. Mike is just too much. Mike can't stop talking to save his life. Uh, <laughs> I went to see the principal a lot. We got became good friends. Um, but I, I, but, but the Lord, uh, did an incredible thing in my life and, and, and he, and he is fixing me. And like I said, I'm a work in progress, but the truth is I do have joy. Even though I struggle and have difficulties and 
sure, I've been wounded and hurt in, in all kinds of different ways, but I, I experience peace and, and, and I get help and I have this great sense of love that surrounds me and, and I'm not alone. And there is nothing. Not anything that could separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that great? Amen. That is, it, it's, he's my Messiah. He is my Savior. He's my Lord. And he is my God. And with joy, I can't wait to serve him and to be about his business. And, and you know, the, 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 the Bible uh, is all that he says he is and more. So why not believe in him? Why not enjoy the, the blessings and the benefits of knowing him? If you haven't come to that place where you know for sure that he's dealt with that separation between you and God, well, I, I would encourage you to continue to investigate Jesus. If we can help in any way, we would love to do that and walk you through that. Any of our pastors, I mean, I'd love to sit down with you over coffee and we could do that. You can just email me. But I would encourage you, don't live in that frustrating moments. Live with the joy that you have a God who cares about you and loves you. Back to our text. Jesus asked the question, what are you seeking? You notice he didn't ask who are you seeking, but he asked what? Questioning our motives. It was clear John the Baptist's motive was to maximize Jesus, not self. John had disciples. He had followers. He didn't have like a, you know, a Twitter following and a Snapchat following and a Facebook following. He just had literal followers. They actually, people would just, you know, follow him <laughs> and, and walk through life with him. And, and it was a method of learning in that way. And, 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 but it's a lot like following people online because you learn from them. The question is, who are you following? Who are you seeking? Remember, seeking Jesus is the only sure way to experience real hope. Yet though John the Baptist had a following, which at that, that day was very, very uh, affirming and validating to him, he didn't just keep them to himself. He actually pointed people away from him to Jesus, <clears throat> not to put or to bring glory to himself or to show off himself, but to give glory to God, not to make a name for himself. And really, we shouldn't be trying to make a name for ourselves, but to, or to puff up ourselves, but to do things that maximize Jesus and minimize ourself. John actually said that in, in, in John 3.30. He said this. He said, he must, that's Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. And that would be a motto for our life, that Jesus should increase and we should decrease in our life. The truth is we spend too much time seeking to be noticed um, and seen and having that perfect Instagram photo or that, that cool Snapchat uh, clip or that perfect comeback or, or a sarcastic comment. And much of our world is about self-glory. Why do you think Facebook took off? Because it's all about me <laughs> and in showing myself off to people. And uh, Not John the Baptist. He set his life to lift up Jesus. So the question is, how could you do that this week? Here's another question our Bible passage brings out. Are you willing to learn? Let's go back to our text if you're not already there. So go, go to the left, to the left. Um, to John chapter 1, verse... They were singing that song at VBS, so it got stuck in my head. Um, John chapter uh, 1 again, now verses 38 
and 39, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, here's our question, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. And they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. The word seek means to search, to look for, to strive after, to endeavor. Jesus asked if they were serious about learning. And the answer explains exactly the motive of their heart. Because they said the word rabbi. Now, rabbi just doesn't mean just teacher. It actually means, if you were to say it, that honored, noble master. So these guys were not just saying, oh, we're just following you know, a good teacher. They were saying, no, you, you, Jesus, are my noble, high, honored master. So Jesus knew the motivation of their heart. I mean, he could see through them, but he knew them and they expressed it. Rabbi also means that I want to learn from you. The fact that they would say rabbi means that I am willing to do whatever it takes to gain from your wisdom and insight. And that means we let go of ourselves and trust in this rabbi. They wanted to learn and had to take the first steps, like many of you and many at VBS this week, to believe. And now they wanted to grow. They wanted to learn. So Jesus tells them and us how right here in verse 39. He says it very plainly. He says, come and see. Get close to me, Jesus is saying, and everything you seek, you will find. For seeking Jesus is the only way to experience real hope. It is to move towards Jesus, to experience him, to learn from him, and to learn from his words and his actions. That's why God has given us a four amazing glimpses in God's word, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus' life, and then the, all of the New Testament telling uh, letters written about how life in Christ works, life in Jesus works, and then the Old Testament actually looks towards Christ, talking about the Messiah and God's story and how this redemption and restoration will happen through Messiah that we know to be Jesus. Plus our experiences. I mean, we saw from these little kids, they they had experiences with God. And we gain from that as we hear people's stories and learn from them. It's a shift of our thinking away from us and about ourselves and on to experience and learn who Jesus is. It's like that game that we played. Sure, we wanted to win. I mean, those were good prizes. Go on. We wanted to win, but it was the, 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 the journey of the seeking where we also gained. Some of you met people you never met before in your life. And now they're, now they're your new best friends. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> With Jesus, it's not so much concentrating on us and meeting our needs, but it's learning of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, I don't know if this is actually in the study guide, but write this verse down. Second Peter. Chapter 1, verse 3. You can look it up and read it later. Basically, it says this. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in our knowledge of God. Knowing God, seeking Him with our life, understanding who He is, experiencing Him, all of that that comes because knowledge is both both brain knowledge and experience knowledge. And actually, that one word in Second Peter chapter 1 is the idea of both experience knowledge and book knowledge. 
that everything we need to know is found in our knowledge of God. And so we need to know him more. And write this verse down too. It's actually at the end of that book, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, it's, a, it's a really a, a written in a command form. It says, but now grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we are to grow and take that opportunities to learn and continue to grow and, and learn from him. The question is, are you learning? Then come to Jesus. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 and 30. He says, <clears throat> take my yoke upon you. Now, yoke doesn't mean like egg yolk. I, that's what I thought it meant. I go, why is Jesus wearing yoke on him? Is there some kind of medicinal value with that? <laughs> no, a yoke was an apparatus. It was made of wood that would, uh, that would connect two beasts of burden, probably two donkeys or two water buffalo or whatever it is that they, it, was, it would connect them together. It was a symbol for a way of life or a teaching. And so Jesus was saying, take my way of life, take my teaching upon you and learn from me. For I am lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my way of life, my teaching is easy and my burden is light. Because the truth is, seeking Jesus is the only sure way to experience hope. The question is, are you willing to learn Jesus? This leads to the last question very quickly. How will we respond to Jesus? Andrew and this other disciple responded by following Jesus. The word following in verse 40 here is a word that's in the, in the tense that means it's a once for all action that always continues. So, so we're to, so we're to, we're to, uh, they're following Jesus. They chose from that point on, they set their heart to follow Jesus consistently. They weren't wishy about, washy about it. They had determined to do so. It's not a tentative inquiry, <clears throat> but an all in commitment. And it's a very simple commitment. To follow is to do what Jesus does. How many of you like the game Follow the Leader? Oh, you guys like, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Okay, you, you, come on, come on, I need some more, I need some more kids. You, anyway, you guys want to come? Come on, come on. Okay, follow the leader. I'll be the leader, okay? You guys follow and do what I do. Well, let's get some older people in here. You, Dad, Dad, come join. Yeah, come join, come join. Yeah. Okay, we're going to follow the leader. You guys... Do, do what I want. Yeah, yeah, join in. Okay, here we go. We're going to follow leaders. So you guys do what I do. Walk with big steps. Put your hand up. Now walk with little steps. Now squat down while you're walking. Now just walk a little. Let's just do a little jog. Let's all say hi to Dot. Hi, 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 Dot. Okay. Say hi to Dot. Hi, Dot. Hi, Dot. Okay, keep walking this way. Okay, keep walking. Okay, now you guys can go. You guys can go sit down. Yeah, give him a hand. Nice job. Nice job, Dan. <laughs> See, the truth is, is, is uh, in, in following Jesus, uh, we all sometimes, sometimes, some of us are eager to follow. Oh, I want to follow Jesus. We raise our hand and we jump up and we're willing to do it. Some of us are like, I don't know. <laughs> We're a little reluctant to follow Jesus, but then someone pushes our a wife pushes us out and makes us follow Jesus. And, uh, and some of us, when everybody else is following Jesus, they go, I want to follow Jesus too. And they jump in the, the thing. The idea is to follow Jesus. It's not that complicated. See, when you follow the leader, you do what the leader does, right? That's part of the game, right? If the leader raises his hand, you all raise your hand. It's the same way with Jesus. It's that simple. 
When Jesus says, love people, what do we do? We love them. When Jesus says to obey your parents, what do you do? Yeah, sometimes we don't know. Uh, when, the, when, the, when Jesus says, uh, parents don't exasperate your children, <laughs> uh, we do that. When Jesus says to <clears throat> be kind to people, we be kind. See, it's that simple. But yet, why do we make it so difficult? That's what it means to follow Jesus. Just do what he does and do what he did. You battle with it because it's a battle of our will over his. That's what I love about little kids. Okay. And they just give it over and they just go for it. Us older, you know, stuck in our ways, stuck in the mud adults. I don't know. And we, we, we shuffle our feet and don't get on with it. it. Yet it's that simple. Andrew gives us a clue of what this following means in verse 41 when he says he found the Messiah. He found his leader. He found the one who sets the purpose of his life. And he went on with, with, with God's purposes. He worshiped Jesus. He adored him, called him rabbi, listened to him. Not only that, he was about growth. He said, I'm going to put myself in the position of being a learner of Jesus. And so he he handled the biblical pur- purpose of, of, of worship and then growth. But he also b- began that belonging. He, Him and, and John created a bond, and then they reached out with others and created more bonds, and they created a, a great fellowship together, that belonging, that sense of family, that whole idea of that trail mix together. And not only that, they reached out with the biblical purpose of outreach and, 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 uh, Andrew reached out to his brother Peter and brought him to Jesus and they both and all began to serve him. Peter followed Jesus and was given a new identity. He was called Rocky or really rock, the rock. That's what Cephas means. Uh, it means rock or, and that, and, and, uh, uh, Jesus gave Peter that new name to bring out Peter's true self. Lord, see the Lord, when we come to him, he gives us a new identity found in him, not in our issues. See, we are more than our issues. We're more than our mistakes. We're more than the struggles we deal with or the issues that go on in life. We're more. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're marvelous. And connected to God, we're one of his children. And we have that incredible sense of of connectedness and new identity with him. And each one of us have that who know him. So let's thrive as followers of Jesus, and seek Jesus as the only sure way to experience real hope. So the question is, in life, what are you seeking? Seek Jesus, and you will experience that amazing hope that you long for. And keep seeking Him as you deal with those questions about why Jesus, and and are you willing to learn, and, and how will you respond? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for just the joy of being together as a church family and having fun together and learning from your word. Thank you for VBS and all that happened in VBS. And God, I pray that those lessons will continue on. Even from this morning, Lord, as we're challenged to be a true seeker of you, help us in that and challenge us even in these last moments of the service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.